Hey, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Spotlight. This is the podcast that'll take you behind the scenes to talk with the unsung heroes who are out there working in the trenches of the music, theater, and TV worlds. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 45 of Beyond the Spotlight. It is July. It is a new episode. It is uh, coming up on the 4th of July weekend if you're in the U.S., Uh, So please be safe and enjoy it responsibly. Today we're talking with Matthew Ruffino, who is a sound mixer for the Today Show, as well as for his own studio, Stonehouse Studios in New Jersey. And uh, we talked with Matthew back in early June from his studio at Stonehouse and uh, had a great conversation about his beginnings in the audio world and how he ended up at the Today Show and doing his own thing with his studio and mixing music for tons and tons of great artists in all genres of music. And during his time at the Today Show, he's won five Emmys. So how many people can say that? Yeah. Uh, We'll also talk about his time mixing at his own studio and how he got to that point. And of course, we have to thank our show supporters who help kind of defray the financial costs of keeping the show up and running. And those would be Richard, Kieran, Emily, and Chris. Thank you very much for your financial support. And I want to let you know that uh, we'll be taking a little bit of a break through the month of July. This will be the last show for July. And, uh, We'll be coming back in August with new episodes. Uh, I've been going at this a little over a year and a half and uh, need a little bit of a break. Uh, I've got a busy schedule with work things and music things. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a pause and uh, take care of those other priorities, and we'll come back with new episodes in August. So let's dive into our interview with Matthew. Matthew Rufino, welcome to the Beyond the Spotlight podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So you've got an interesting career, and we'll we'll kind of touch on all the the points along the way here. But you know, I always like to start at the beginning, um, back in the early days. Kind of your background. You know, did you come from a musical family? Were you interested in music? How did you kind of get started down this pathway? Uh, yes, definitely a musical family. Um... You know, my grandfather on my father's side, he actually repaired like Hammond organs and and Wurlitzers. So he was sort of always into music and tech stuff. And my dad plays guitar. Everyone plays something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I was always around it. And he was going to recording studios, fixing organs and things. So, um, yeah, from, from a young age, I was always sort of uh, had music was definitely a big part of the family. Awesome. Yeah. So obviously it's kind of in your DNA to, you know, to a certain degree and that's kind of hard to fight as you go, go along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have uh, kind of, I was looking through some of your bio and I, I see we have kind of similar starting points with things. You know, we both started playing guitar around eight or nine. My first real job out of college was working in a 16 track studio <laughs> with shag carpet on the walls yeah. and, you know, the whole thing. And um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it was similar, similar starting points. But so, yeah, you, you started out playing guitar. Uh, what kind of got you from that into more of the 
audio engineering side or the, the sound side of things? I always was into technical stuff. I think I was always into gear and just radios and, you know, making my stereo sound as good as I could. And mm-hmm. um, in the early 90s, I got a uh, four track, uh, kind of like everyone did at that point. And, yeah. um, you know, started just with that, plugging my guitar directly into it and through like distortion pedals and recording mm-hmm. stuff and doubling stuff. And just, you know, I had already been doing it a little bit where I took, um, I had a boom box that had a microphone. So I would record into it and then take another boom box and play that first tape back. And then so it was like sound on sound yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I started with that and then just recording my stuff and then finally getting to play with like friends. I always wanted to record us, you know, whether mm. it was with just the boom box or with eventually the four track. Um, and then that just kind of kept, you know, I was like, well, I know I love music and I know, I don't know if I'm going to be a good enough player, but I just <laughs> kind of like this, you know, this is fun. And then I just kept doing it. By the time I was in high school, music was all I wanted to do. So that's kind of when I was... I think it was like an eighth grade or a freshman in high school when I started working at this studio on my kind of, it was in the days of public access television and they had a show that I just happened to see. So I wrote the number down. It was like two towns away. Um, So I gave them, you know, I went over there and kind of knocked on the door and they said, well, we do guitar lessons and stuff. And I said, well, I don't really want guitar. I'll take the guitar lessons. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) But I want to be in the studio. Give me recording studio lessons. And they hadn't like done that. I said, well, we'll just pay the same price, you know, as guitar and you can show me how to use this stuff. Yeah, And they were really good guys. And, you know, like every day I would just, my grandmother would drop me off there. And if they were teaching and there wasn't a session, I'd just put up a reel of tape and start mixing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I got into the mixing side of it, probably more than recording. Just from the get-go, I was always, something was recorded and let me put up the faders and try to make it sound like a record. Yeah, that's exactly kind of the same mentality that I have as well, you know, is I like to... I like to take what's there and, you know, work with it. I, I've been a video editor for 35 years, so it's kind of the same boat, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, here's the material, make something out of it, you know. And yes. So uh, that that's the part that I like. So, yeah, we're very similar again there. So you started out uh, kind of shadowing this uh, people at this place, yeah, at the studio, so- and kind of learning... I would learn, and then um, eventually they would ask me to come, like, help out on sessions. And um, I remember, I think it was my first gig was, like, paid gig was recording a church thing. And I was the assistant, and I got paid $35, and I still have the check somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I was like, I got paid to do music. This is this is cool. And, yeah, um, yeah they kind of just let me stay, and I, I just kept doing stuff. I was there all through high school. I'm um, even a little bit into college. I was doing some sessions and stuff there um, before moving on. But it was just a great place to learn and, you know, kind of get the basics. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's what it, you can read and and learn about things. But to be there and have your hands on the gear and, and kind of interact with the gear and people who've done it, that's just, you know, so much more valuable. I think back then especially because now it's so much more computer-based, you know, where you kind of do need more of an education like that, where you could learn back then, you could learn everything, sort of lining a tape machine and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, was passed down in a way that, you know, you didn't need, you could learn it there with the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. um, not, you know, having to go through a manual, you know, through a computer course. I guess just the way it is now, it seems so different and, 
we lose that a little bit. You know, I learn more being an intern and, and an assistant coming up than I did in all the school stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, I paid a lot more to go to school. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, and Michael Brower was on, and he was talking about that very thing about how, you know, in those in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s to a great degree, you know, people were passing on that knowledge. They had assistants and they, you know, there were staff engineers and, and that kind of stuff was passed along and taught. And nowadays it's not quite that way anymore. You know, you, there's a lot of YouTube videos, there's a lot of virtual learning, but oh, there's yeah. not really, you know, that hands-on, you know, let's pass it down, you carry the torch now kind of thing. And I, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Well, you know, it's, with funny, the it's funny you mentioned Michael Brower. Um, I used to work at a studio a couple of blocks down the road from him. Mm. And he had an article in a magazine called Tape Op like 20 years ago. And I thought it was a really interesting article. So I sent him an email and said, hey, you know, I don't think they explained everything. How did how did you do this? And he said, well, why don't you just come to the studio? You work right down the road. Um, And he was like the nicest person in the world. And he let me just come a bunch of times and hang out and sit in on sessions. And I was assisting at another studio. It wasn't like he needed an assistant or he was trying to get an intern or he was just a great human being. Yeah. And he was just willing to show like this 20 year old kid's stuff for no, nothing in return. Um, you <laughs> Incre- know, incredible, right? <laughs> yeah. And all I did was email the guy thinking maybe he would get back to me, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was because I worked at a pretty big studio down the street that he thought, okay, this guy's like, at least, you know, serious about learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just amazing. And actually he was on a podcast, like, I don't know, six months ago or something. And I sent him a message out of the blue after not talking to him for years. And he got right back to me, you know, and, you know, just a testament to how good of a guy he he is, and that that sort of stuff that he talks about is is he's the real deal. Yeah, uh, oh, big yeah. influence on me. You know. Yeah, and a lot of people. I mean, uh, you know that he's his body of work just yeah. kind of speaks for itself. But um, yeah, anybody in in the industry that knows who he is, uh, you can't deny that he's influenced you know people. And just uh, how you know it's an inspiration. You know, not just his success and all that, but how he shares the knowledge and mm-hmm. you know it makes you want to do the same. You know, I'm obviously not him and not on his level, but I do get a lot of people asking me stuff and send me messages, and I always. Uh, try to get back to people and share whatever I can, you know, not that I'm a, a master at this, but <laughs> if, you know, I can help someone coming up, I try to, you know. Yeah. And that's important for any, you know, any career really, but especially in this one, because there's, you know, there's a lot of mystique kind of still around this business. Um, you know, it's not like going to school to be a dentist or, uh, you know, getting uh, work as a plumber. You, you, there's kind of a mystery about how to go about it, how to learn things, where you start, you know, how do you get a job and that kind of stuff. And, and the funny thing is we all like love this. If you do this for a living and you actually have made it enough to pay your bills doing it, you've sacrificed a lot. You really mm-hmm. love doing this. And, yeah. it, you know, everyone, you know, it turns out that most of the people are willing to share. You just got to send them a message, you know. Um, I've reached out to a lot of people through the years, you know, just with a question or, you know, something, you know, I'll be on Facebook and, you know, shoot them and you'd be surprised someone will get back to you, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of, most of the people are just like, you know, everybody else. They're just, uh, well, they're, they're excited to, about it. We get to do yeah. music for a living. It's like, it's yeah. great, you know. And they want um, to share that information generally, you know, they, they're excited about it. So they want other people to, 
sharing that. And yeah, that's, that's great. I, you know, there are a few people out there who kind of try to keep everything undercover and secret, but you know, that, that doesn't bode well for the industry. You know, people have uh, to. Not, especially not anymore, you know, and I wish more, I, I wish the guys who knew what they were doing, more of them were putting real information. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of bad information out there too. Yeah. And there's a lot of people giving information that probably shouldn't. And that <laughs> I feel bad just because, you know, people are, you know, there's no wrong way. There's no right way, but there's some silly stuff, I guess you see. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you hate to see people waste time on silly stuff. Right. And that's, that's part of the downfall. You know, YouTube's a double-edged sword. There's so much material there, but weeding through all the crap to find the gems is, is you know, kind of dangerous. So. But you can do anything on there, so it is pretty amazing, you know. <laughs> That's true. There might be five videos on how to fix a carburetor on a mm -hmm. 70 Buick, but one of them will help you. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's probably going to yeah. work, yeah, exactly. Um, so you've, you've worked in a couple different studios. You kind of got your uh, knowledge together and your experience. Talk about how you got involved with the Today Show. Uh, yeah, you know, it was um, kind of a fluke in a way. Uh, my father actually was on the train into New York City one day, and uh, he met the director. Mm. And they started talking, and, and they were chit-chatting on the ride in. And he said, oh, well, my son does audio, you know, sound right down the road at this recording studio. And he said, oh, well, why don't you um, have him call this guy? And um, he gave me a guy that worked there, this guy Brian Lang, and he was an A2 on the show. And I went down and met Brian and a couple of the people, and he introduced me to a tech manager, this guy Keith. Uh, and Keith uh, said, you know, at the time it was November, and in the after the holidays, the Today Show kind of outside, it gets quiet. You know, there's not a lot of going on because mm -hmm. it's, you know, 15 degrees out. <laughs> so he said, I won't have anything till the spring, but, you know, get back to me. You're more than qualified to try out for like an A2 position, you know, something like that. We're freelance, you know, we could give you some freelance work maybe, and... Mm -hmm. So I called him like every Monday morning when the show ended at like 10 o'clock for six months. <laughs> and finally he said, all right, you can come in. And at the time I was an assistant at a studio called Avatar. Uh, now Berkeley owns it. It's called Power Station. It's kind of a legendary place. Yeah. And, you know, when you're an assistant, you work a lot of hours and you're making like 560 an hour. And, you know, I was ready to try to do some records on my own. And I figured if I could freelance at NBC, you know, I could get in a day what I was making in a week as an assistant. And if I could do that a couple of days a week, then I can go make these records for nothing, you know, yeah. and try to learn more about making records. And, you know, I was starting to get some clients on my own. Uh, so they kind of threw me in, um, in 2004, I guess that spring. And, I started doing a little late two work and then they said, oh, can you mix monitors? And I said, sure. And I never mix monitors. <laughs> I, I didn't but know. But that's the right answer though. Yeah. You, you have to, you and have to say And so that. they had the normal guy train me for a couple of days and then I was mixing monitors and no one really yelled at me too much. So <laughs> that was cool. And, you know, I kind of learned that a little bit. And um, so I was freelancing there and I would be there a couple of days a week and then I'd go make a record at different places. And I was working at a couple other studios where I ended up going to staff, uh, becoming kind of like chief engineer at a couple of different places. And so I'd be there three, four days a week in an NBC. And a lot of times I would just work around the clock like 24 hours a day because I was freelance and I was just afraid. You know, what if the phone stops ringing? Yeah, right. Uh, so when I was in my early 20s, so why not? And, yeah. um, well, so, you're kind of invincible at that age, right? Yeah, you can, do, you yeah. can go without sleep. <laughs> and eventually, um, 
they needed someone to do the broadcast mix uh, for the music, and they just installed this new Pro Tools-based room at the time that no one really knew how to use so well. And um, I filled in a couple of times, and it just sounded better than I guess it normally did. And the show was really happy, and a couple of big artists said some things, and um, it was like, all right, you're our fill-in guy kind of thing. Okay. You can be the fill-in guy. And then a particular artist requested me, mm. and... Um, it was a whole long story, a little bit of politics. Anyway, uh, they requested me. I did the show. They were really happy, and they let the show know that they were happy. And shortly after that, I sort of became the full-time music mixer on the show. And then uh, a couple of years after that, they offered me a staff job. So I went from being a freelancer to a full-time staff engineer at NBC. Um, so that's like my full-time Monday through Friday job in the mornings. <laughs> And then uh, I'll mix records in the afternoons like I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to be able to have, you know, a steady thing like that to kind of, you know, pay the bill, so to speak. And then to be able to focus your passion, you know, side of things with your own studio and your own mixing. Uh, that's pretty much the best of both worlds. Uh, yeah, you know, today's show has been great. It's a great gig to have. You know, I'm sure a lot of people would love to have it. Um I kind of looked at it like mixing boot camp, you know? I mean, listen, when I got the gig, I wasn't the greatest mixer in the world <laughs> at all. I've never mixed TV before, to be honest with you, or surround sound. They just kind of threw me in, and, like, my first gig was, um, I think it was Dave Matthews Band, or, mm. or um, it wasn't Dave Matthews Band. It was uh, No Doubt, I think, and it was, like, their reunion or some, something uh. big like that. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, here you go. And I never mixed anything live, really. Oh, wow. Um, I'd only done records, so I just kind of winged it. And then after that, it was, well, I get, like, you know, around 200-something chances a year to get it right now. So, <laughs> um, you know, I just learned a lot. Every day is a new band with a different style and, you know... Yeah. Um, I don't listen to a ton of popular music on my own, so it's a lot of stuff I normally wouldn't listen to. Right. So I'm like learning new music all the time. So it was great to build up like mixing chops just to, mm -hmm. you know, like inadvertently I've mixed like 5,000 hit singles at this point or something crazy <laughs> like that, you know, and <laughs> not that I had a hand in, not that I had a hand in any of them, but just to have my right. hand on the faders and hear the elements coming out separately you sort of you know it's helped me so much in mixing records because it's like i know sort of the anatomy of i don't know if i'm describing that right i, I know the anatomy of like a hit song kind of you know like all yeah. the pieces and the, the layers and, and how yeah. to sort of put it together and when you've worked on such a variety of styles you sort of have a little bit of everything and you know like i'm not, not just a metal guy or i'm not right. just a rap guy or you know a jazz guy like i've kind of had everything from broadway to metal to everything else the country and mm -hmm. i've got all these tools in my bag now yeah that i didn't have before which is great yeah absolutely i yeah i always kind of compare genres of music with you know ingredients in a kitchen it's like you know if you just got pepper and lemon juice you know you're going to be pretty limited in what you can do or whatever yeah. uh, so the more stuff you've got in there you know obviously the better you're going to be the more informed you're going to be about different styles and uh the other thing about probably i would imagine with the today show you know you've got to work very quickly it's mm -hmm. not like hey let's go in here and you know think about it and try to what do you think i don't know what do you you know you got to make 
stuff happen like super yeah. quick and on a super schedule and a lot of stuff that you're not seeing until the last second. So that probably helps you in your other work as well, you know, kind of get things going and get, get a mix kind of close and, and start working without having to drag out and start second guessing everything. Uh, yes and no. With today's show, our outside performances, I get 55 minutes to mm. get a mix together. From oh. the time we're done with rehearsal to the time we have to be ready for air. Uh, so yeah, you're making a lot of decisions fast and the mix is sort of instinct, you know, it's sort mm. of building blocks, I guess, for if I'm doing mixing a record, I'll start day one on a song like that. Like my first thing is I'll spend an hour or two just like I'm mixing a Today Show, just instinct throwing everything up and getting everything to sound roughly good. And then I like to walk away. Mm. And then I'll come back and fine tune it. And then I yeah. like to walk away. And then I'll come back the next day and fine tune it again. So instead of mixing a song over eight or 10 hours, I'll do it in three or four hour increments. And sometimes mm. like today I'm recalling a record a uh, 12 song album and i'm at the point now where like i did the first couple and sent them out and they were happy and then i did all of them and now mm. i'm making them all work together so today i might go through like five songs and mm. just okay i know track one i kind of felt like the drums weren't as good as track two and three so let me address that a little and this way I can work in sort of pieces and not get bogged down. Like back in the day in analog where it was like you were booked at a studio mm -hmm. and you had a mix and it's like, I got to get this song done, whether I can't stand hearing it anymore or not, whether my brain is so far sucked in it that I'm never going to get it right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's my problem. I get sucked in and I'll start to focus on little things, but then veer off in a direction that I shouldn't have. And yeah. Start chasing down rabbit holes. and yeah, yeah, and you're just making things worse. So I like to blend that instinct of the Today Show style live mixes with kind of the fine tuning and just give myself a mm -hmm. break. Yeah. And, you know, that helps a lot. Although I went down a wormhole for the last two days. I think I lost. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, for the music that I get to mix, I don't care how long it takes just because I love doing it you know because i'm just into music so much that right. you know it's always a losing proposition i'm always going to lose my time somehow because it's never <laughs> enough it's never good enough yeah you know well the old saying in uh, film and in music is projects are never finished they're just abandoned yeah you know because you run out of time or money or patience or whatever. yeah and i'm like getting there in this one right now i gotta go i'm probably already a week overdue and mm. <laughs> i always let people know i'm sort of slow with it as far as you know, and with my other schedule, you know, I really only mix here like six hours a day. So it, I'm not doing 12 hour days. Uh, yeah, but that's enough. I mean, when, you know, doing your morning thing and then doing that, it, that's a long day and, and it wears on your ears, I'm sure. Yeah, I listen pretty low volume most of the time. Um, so, and then it's just also right now things are slower at the Today Show, but as that starts to ramp up, uh, the emails and the phone calls and everything associated with that ramps up so that mm -hmm. even sort of takes up more of your, yeah. your day a little bit because i forward all the info for pa monitors all the you know wireless all that sort of stuff uh i take care of all that all the ordering all the oh wow rentals all that so it's a song and dance if you will with Oh, yeah. you know, a tour manager, production manager. Turns out that, right. you know, these guys decided they can't fly the rig, you know, all their gear. So now they need 
backline for all this stuff for these three songs they're going to do and then that's like mm. tomorrow so we got to find this sir who's available you know what and it's yeah and there's you know anywhere from 175 to like 225 performances a year so it just doesn't wow. ever end <laughs> you know <laughs> it just constantly goes yeah Yeah, that, so you're almost a production manager in a sense, as well as an engineer, uh, you know, because you're trying to coordinate all that stuff. And Yeah, and I, you know, I work with the, the show producers, too. So if someone comes up with an idea, you know, we, you know, we'll be in meetings to, can we do this? Can this person make a grand entrance on a bus coming up Fifth <laughs> Avenue? Can this band, you know, whatever it is that, you know, if they come up with it, it's our job to, you know, as the tech people to make it happen. And, you know, then it's, right. you know, what do we need for that to do whatever yeah. the next thing is, you know? Um, you know, one yeah. time they wanted to see if someone could come down off a helicopter, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I mean, it's all sorts of stuff. So you never know, sure. you know, that didn't happen, but you know, it doesn't mean the idea wasn't <laughs> flown around literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh man. Well, yeah, that sounds like just a, a handful of work, you know, again, no, it, it's something that you love to do and you have a passion for it. So, you know, in that sense, at least it's not as much work, uh, probably, You know, the, the music part of it anyway. Well, let's talk, uh, you've got your own studio. I've seen pictures on your Instagram and, and places mm -hmm. on, on your website. It looks super cool, uh, super badass, cool vibe, lots of uh, gear, tons of gear. For gear nerds out there, you got to go check out the, the pictures and at the website. And we'll, we'll give you those links at the end of the show. But uh, yeah, I mean, how did that come about? Obviously, you know, you wanted to do work outside of the Today Show. and I had sort of been dormant the last few years uh, outside of today just today had been so busy for a while and you know life happens um, mm -hmm. you know houses and you know kids and marriages yeah. and all that and uh, today's show was like a steady gig and it's great and you know all that sort of stuff and I sort of took some time away from doing records I was burnt out I was doing both for like a long time so there was a mm -hmm. good like five-year period where I kind of just basically did today show and family sort of stuff mm -hmm. um and then initially during covid you know i had all my gear i had multiple studios in my life so i've had the majority of the stuff and it was set up in my house but not really like it was mm -hmm. there a lot of stuff wasn't really set up correctly and I had all this time during covid so i said you know what i finally have the time to do this and then <laughs> i started building it and you know acoustics changed you know one thing led to another led to another and it just kept getting more yeah. and more now i'm actually about <laughs> to rip it apart again and kind of redesign some <laughs> stuff in the next few weeks and yeah i have a lot of gear but i've been collecting a long time i'm at the point where i don't have if i don't use it it's gone you know mm -hmm. i'm down to just what i use and honestly you don't need this stuff to make a record these days and well yeah i'm, I'm yeah. kind of not a gear junkie anymore really i just get the pieces that help you know, help me the most. I don't need to have the best of everything or, you know, yeah. just it's fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a tool in the toolbox to a degree, you know, you, you've got to have the right tools, but 
yeah, some people do get kind of carried away with, you know, I got to have this vintage Poltec EQ or this, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm not certain. <laughs> I don't do anything vintage because I can't afford to fix it all the time. Uh, right. The only thing vintage I do is digital because I always buy digital stuff secondhand mm. because it's like buying a BMW or something. As soon as you buy it, it's worth half the price. So, right, yeah. and it only has a shelf life for like five years. So, mm-hmm. but if you buy, good solid piece of analog gear the price is the price especially if you buy it used it doesn't it's only going to go up usually right um but my philosophy with gear and mixing in general really comes from from all my today show stuff is i never want to have to think technical ever Mm. i pre-set up everything everything is set up so like i do all even if i'm not mixing today show i'm mixing here i'll prep all my stuff on one day and then just mix on another day. So I never have to think, like I set my console up no matter where I'm at, that I have everything. I have more mm. stuff than you could ever imagine. Not because I'm going to use it all. I'm but never going to use it. 15 yeah. reverbs or whatever in a mix, but I've got every single style. So when someone walks through the door and goes, hey, I've got this idea for this thing. I'm not like, well, hold on a second. Let me make an insert and patch this and do this. I'm yeah. like, oh, you like a long delay in this thing. Boom. And I turn up the send and they're like, oh my God. And then the artist is comfortable. They think I get them and that I, I know exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. It's fast. It's efficient. And I never have to think about, did I plug this in right? Does this work? Does that... It's tried and true and it's tested. And when I open my stuff every day, it's all there and, and just like ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I saw a video you did, uh, I think it was on Instagram as well, um, with the new console at the Today Show. And you, you were going through the layout of where, how you had everything routed and, you know, what stuff was going where and, and how you had all these things set up like that. So, yeah, you had all these different effects for vocals and, and different things that you could just bring in and out as you needed um, at the ready. And, uh, I mean, I, at first I was a little like, you know, that seems a little overboard. But then when you think about, you know, your situation in that environment, you've got to have stuff, you know, ready to go and fast. And, and why not? You know, why why waste time? DSP thinking? doesn't cost anything. It runs no. well. And to never have to think about plugging something in, creating a chain, I never have to think technical. It's just what works for the song. Does it work for the song? And I have stuff like with all the stuff on that video, like all my vocal effects, the sends are on all the time. Mm. So it's always going to it. So I never have to think like, let me turn this. Is this enough? I just bring it up. Right. And it's there. And if I can in 13 seconds blend three faders, that's a vocal sound. And then the Boom. artist is like, whoa. Yeah. And they didn't even see me open a plug-in or anything <laughs> because it's like sort of there. Right. Um, you know, it makes people more confident in your abilities. And yeah. even if you stink, like they're going to think you know what you're doing and they'll probably be <laughs> happy with it. I mean, I'm faking it. I just have a bunch of stuff there to make it look like I'm not faking it. But it's, yeah. it's um, you know, I think that people get so bogged down and in, in plugging in stuff and trying stuff and looking at plugins and, oh, and yeah. obsessing over numbers and gear. I forgot all of that technical stuff. I don't know any of it anymore. I don't think about a ratio or like attack right. or release. Yeah. It's not, you know, or when I talk to an artist, I'm like, I, you know, I've never had an artist come into the control room and I'm like, hey, check out this compressor I used on your snare drum. It's yeah. like, do they like, they're not listening to the snare drum, they're listening to the song. Do they like yeah. the way their song sounds? It's their song. They, you know, I'd rather get them excited about the song. 
mm. and not the technical piece. Oh man, I really love the bridge. The harmonies are great, and I just want to push them up louder because you know they, I know it's not mm. appropriate, but it makes me feel so good, you know. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, this guy cares about my stuff and yeah. wants to help," and I do. I generally care. I love music, you know, regardless if it's the song I would blast in my car, and I want them to feel. That I care about and have that energy about it too. Yeah. Well, and in the end, that's that's what the listeners are reacting to is the emotion and that just visceral feeling. Um, they're not caring about you know the attack time on the compressor or you know is this guitar you know how many mics you use. They don't care. They just want to you know they're they're loving the sound and how they how it makes them feel. Most people don't even know how to set their stereo up right at home. So like. <laughs> You know, I wonder, all this technical stuff about this and that, uh, th th how much does it really matter when you break it down? I hate to be right. like, you know, the bad no. guy here, and I'm sitting next to a ridiculous <laughs> amount of expensive gear, but, you know, I mean, my kids watch everything on their iPads. Mm -hmm. You know, I know everyone's getting excited about Atmos, but I kind of wonder, like, are we just talking about that because labels want to mm. rehash catalog and mixers want to get... A lot yeah. of Atmos mixes of old cattle. I don't know. Maybe it's awesome. I know I've mixed 5.1 for a long time, and I've never really heard anyone comment on 5.1. So I know it's sort of dead, but... Yeah. It, I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I just think it goes with normally with what the kids go with, and I don't see my kids asking for more speakers. Yeah, right. That's the last thing people want, really, in this day and age. And um, to get into it, you know, putting like 10 speakers in my studio or like eight speakers or whatever it is, that's an, that's a, an investment. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, you know, the technology with, you know, when 4K video came out, I thought, eh, you know, that seems like a little bit of an overreach at that point, uh, you know, when they were first starting to tout it and trying to sell TVs at Christmas time. Um, and then, you know, the 3D television thing that just kind of fell flat and went nowhere. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a bleeding edge trying to keep up with the stuff. And it's very cool technology. It sounds awesome. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think for certain applications for games and theater and stuff, I think it's right. going to be great. I think it could be cool for music if they get that headphone down mix thing kind of happening, but Mm -hmm. I just don't see people buy, you know, they don't even want to buy real surround sound. They want a sound bar. You yeah. know, if you go to someone's house and see their surround sound, like the rear speakers are just like the left and right surround sound are just sitting next to the left yeah. speaker anyway, because they don't want wires across the room. So I can't imagine people hanging stuff from their <laughs> ceiling. You're like, HGTV yeah. is not telling people, go get speakers <laughs> at Home Depot. Right. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Everything. I'd love it to be this great thing. And all of a sudden... You know, all of a sudden I got to buy 10 speakers because at most there's so much work that, you know, yeah. we well, all got to do it. But well, time will tell. <laughs> time will tell. Well, you've worked with a lot of different artists, obviously, at the Today Show and, and over the years in studios. Is there anybody that you haven't worked with yet uh, that is kind of on your bucket list? Somebody that you'd really like to, to mix? You know, I've kind of learned I don't want to mix those people. <laughs> I like having the mystique. Yeah, You know, and I tend to find a lot of the artists I like are, are older, so it's not going to be in their prime either. Mm -hmm. And right. honestly, I've been fortunate enough to work with like a lot of really awesome people. So, you know, all the big ones that, you know, I've been lucky, you know, to, to kind of hit a lot of those points, you know, Springsteen's and Fleetwood Macs and those sort of things. I've been really, I mean, it's yeah. crazy sometimes when I think about, 
some of the people that I've had, Robert Plant, you know, I mean, that one is always to me, like Robert Plant, you know, Um, probably not. I mean, you know, if like the Grateful Dead can come back, you know, but I mean, (laughs) anyone alive, not really, I guess. I'm just happy whoever comes through as long as there's, there's music. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have much uh, room on the list here for many more people that, you know, Most of the that stuff level. that I listen to wouldn't be on the Today Show, probably. So, <laughs> um, I've learned to kind of separate that, too. You know, obviously, the legacy artists and stuff, you know, are mm-hmm. great. I mean, you know, when you get to think about Aretha Franklin or all these different people. You know, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, as long as they can sing and play, I'm... I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have have good sources coming out. Well, if you could go back, uh, you know, when you were just starting out, uh, maybe in high school and kind of getting into all this, is there any advice you could give yourself knowing what you know now uh, that you could tell yourself to either, you know, help you out or, or maybe avoid this or that? Uh, I mean, there's a million. Yeah. Keep your mouth <laughs> shut <laughs> uh, for one. Um, I wish I would have listen more on a lot of occasions i wish i would have remembered to take notes on some things more (laughs) i just wish i could have spent more time there's a lot of time that i wasted i wish i wasted less time i guess would be yeah probably the biggest thing looking back now there's a lot of opportunities i probably you know yeah well and and sometimes things that you think are important at the time turn out to not really be important you know worth the time to, to put into them so yeah you find that out later, but you know, a lot of that comes with just wisdom and maturity and age, you know? So, yeah. How many times do you wish you could go back after the fact and, you know, oh. it's already come and gone. So we just mm. move on to the next one. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep moving forward. Uh, well, Matthew, it's been great talking to you. Um, can you give us, uh, any like social media or websites, uh, things that people can check out to see what you're uh, up sure. To? Yeah. My website is, uh, Matt Ruffino music mixer.com. And Instagram, I guess that's just Matt Rafino. Uh, let's see, Rafino Matthew on Instagram. And I don't really do Facebook anymore. So probably Instagram okay. or um, just my website um, or Google my name and a bunch of stuff will come up, some articles and videos and different things. Yeah, and we'll put uh, links to those two things at least uh, in the cool. show notes and any other stuff so people can see what's up with that. And uh, well, it's it's been great to hear your journey and kind of your experience and kind of get a glimpse behind uh, the curtain and see you know what goes on at uh, the today show and in your studio and uh hopefully the listeners found it enjoyable good luck with everything and now that you know stuff's starting to get ramped back up in new york uh hopefully you'll be busy once again yeah busier, yeah, I yeah we've say. got uh next week uh, i don't know when this is gonna air but next week for us i've got a uh, first big one will be Coldplay coming up oh nice so that'll be very cool Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, uh, be safe. Take care. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Beyond the Spotlight. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Spotlight. If you like what you heard, please share the show with your friends. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at beyondthespotlightpodcast at gmail.com. And however you download or stream this, hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. I'm John Diener, and this has been Beyond the Spotlight.